Thank you, brother. Um, I think generally speaking, men identify with what they do. And so it's easy for us to identify with our job. For those of us who preach full time, thus we identify with what we do, and it becomes really our identity and, and how we define success in ourselves, etc. Um, a long day can turn into a long week, can turn into a long month, etc. And can keep going on and on and on. But we have that extra layer of guilt and, and maybe urgency that what we do has internal consequences. And so long days at the office, so to speak, are for eternal consequences or that they have eternal bearing. Uh, would you take a moment to encourage preachers to think about the harvest at home? Mm. Uh, you stepped on a lot of my toes. Mm. So it's for me as much as anyone. I'm not wanting to point anywhere else. But so frequently I find that there's some people at home I need to minister to that my calendar is pretty full. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, all I would say to add to that, because Jonathan, that's great. Um, when I made the decision to really devote my everyday life to preaching the gospel, I, I had, uh, you know, as we all do, uh, uh, some mentors, some people that I wanted to call and sort of bounce it off of them and say, am I making the right decision? Am I crazy for trying to do this or whatever? Because the world, the job that I left, thought it was. And one, and I had good, good advice, and still do, and appreciate. And there's several of you here in this audience that still serve in that capacity for me. But to your point, and is that one particular brother who's not here today, but who's a longtime preacher of the gospel, told me with tears streaming down his face, "Please, Todd, do not do what I've done, while preaching to others and lose your own family." And, and that really, really struck. And then not only that, but I've had several sisters, particularly older sisters. And oh, could I just begin to say how important the sisters are to the body of Jesus Christ? Mercy. How important you really are. And particularly to older sisters in Christ. Um, but there was a couple of older sisters that, again, very emotionally grabbed me by both ears and said, boy, don't forget Cassandra and the girls. You know, that's important. I mean, Noah preached for a hundred years, give or take, and he saved his family. But that's how we're all here today because of that. So that's really important. You're, you're right, exactly right. And one other thing I'd just say is that for those that, that are, that's not their, their quote, nine to five preaching, it might be that we, because I, I, I haven't always preached full time, you know, I'm in my 40s, and, and we might kind of think that we get caught up, and, and because it's not ever present before us, that, we, that it can be to where, I'm just speaking for myself perhaps, but it can be to where it's not, it isn't priority. It's just a kind of a Sunday thing. And I don't think that's, probably the case with anybody here in this audience or a lot of people, but we don't want that to be the case either because it's not ever present before us as it is maybe for some of us. Thanks, Jonathan. Bobby Cunningham.
take your time. I just want to, I want to commend, uh, I have a comment, I, mean, I don't have a question, just a comment. I want to commend Richard and Ron for this study because uh, what you talked about today, I believe is the most critical thing that not just families face, I think the church is facing. What you just talked about. Yeah. Uh, I know preachers who've lost their families. Great gospel preachers, but they've lost their families. And so, even though we've had some really good presentations here, I think this was the best one that we needed to. Because we get so involved in, like Jonathan was saying, but our families, if you lose your family, you know, Paul said, he could, if he preached to others, you know, he could become a castor, the apostle Paul. So he realized that, you know, it's good. It's just a comment. Thank you. Noah, thank you so much, brother, for your presentation. I was really excited to hear you talk about this because I know, well, I knew from personal experience that this wasn't just a theoretical talk on your behalf, but you really exemplify this with your own family. I really appreciate that. I wanted to ask uh, if you could give some advice or some practical examples to young men and young women who are not married but would like to begin laying a strong foundation for a future family. What are some things that they could do? That's a good question. I'd like to ask Brother John Spradley to actually talk about that. I just uh, talked with him about being married. Cassandra and I celebrated our 25th wedding anniversary yesterday. Very grateful for that. But Brother John and his wife uh, were married for a total of 68 years, I believe, is what he told me. But I will just say on your question that one important thing that I have I believe learned at this stage in my life when it comes to um, the opposite gender and the importance as a Christian and whether you're not married and seeking to be married someday or you're still married is a couple of things that are very important be yourself and it's really the same thing be honest and, and I believe that when we are not, uh, when, we are, when we are truly ourselves and we're seeking God's will honestly, then what happens is, is we will attract someone who also is themselves and is seeking God honestly. And when we stop, when we're not doing that, we're not being ourselves and not being honest, we may attract somebody, but it's not probably right because we're not really who we need to be. We're not ourselves. And so it took me some time and it took about, she's still working on me, but she's, uh, she's made some headway in helping me know who really I am and to be honest about who I am. I hope that's helpful. Encouraging and what is the term? Foundational. Foundational. And yes, of 
encouraging. I don't have a family, but I still found it encouraging. But, uh, You're part of our family, David. Well, <laughs> I don't want to make this about anything controversial, but well, you speak back more into the microphone. I'm sorry, I'm afraid it's going to pop. It's going to uh, the, uh, I, I said I don't want to make this about anything controversial, but I wanted to ask this question because it was put to me when I was standing where you are in another study at another time. Uh, I remember back in the 80s when I was first converted, became a Christian, and I uh, got to listening to some Christian radio, and the first time I ever heard of homeschooling, I thought that was the most radical, crazy idea that I'd ever heard. And uh, as the years have gone by, I've gone full circle the other direction. And so uh, I was asked this question a few months ago, a couple of years ago, in fact, at the Columbia study by a man, a brother, who is, is himself a school teacher, so he wasn't biased against the education system. But he asked me, what would, uh, my topic was the Christian and entertainment. I was emphasizing the other people like you're saying in the home and so forth. And he asked me when I thought um, uh, parents, Christian parents, would take their kids out of school. And I really was not expecting that kind of question. But I know, I'm pretty sure you all, you and Sandra, mm -hmm. school your children. Uh, I don't know what my specific question is. Other than could you just talk about that a little bit? So maybe you're saying do we advise it or to think it's a good or bad thing or what, what do you yeah. yeah okay well here's our response we we have had for those of us that don't know our family our oldest daughter graduated in May with her bachelor's degree and she at Missouri Southern State University in Joplin and she's working on her master's Madeline is in and starting a new job actually in Miami Oklahoma here pretty soon and um, she was the first that we took out of school in the, th by the, in the third grade. And we, we got a lot of flack over it. I want to just be upfront with you and real honest with you. We got a lot of flack from immediate family. Because, you know, basically it was the um, same kind of thing. You know, this is kind of radical, you know, to people out here in, you know, left field or whatever. But, it, and it wasn't really so much that we really thought that she was, you know, learning terribly bad things, although we kind of found out later, we were glad because she, she was, but it didn't really come up, it didn't surface till a little bit later. And, and she was innocent about it, but some, something came up and we were, we were like, where'd you hear that? And it was on the school bus, you know. But the point is, is that we, we were, it was a leap of faith on our part, and we really uh, knew that it would be commitment because people had told us. So when people come to us now, we never try to persuade people to do it. I actually graduated from college years ago with an education degree, and I taught school one year, but I did teach school. <clears throat> and, and, I, and, I, and I'm not opposed to public education because it's the only way for some people. And I understand that. You, can, that's all, you know, we have sisters in Christ that, because of certain circumstances, are raising their children, or maybe a father, or whatever, or a disabled spouse, and they don't have any other way. They, they have to send their, their children to public schools. So I, I totally understand. But if they are considering it, the one thing we say is, is you make sure that you know what you're doing. If you, this is an emotional knee-jerk reaction, or if you're trying to, you know, you're just mad about something that's going on, that's not a good idea. That's sort of like, you know, a knee-jerk reaction to getting married. 
you know, that's a bad idea, or anything else that's knee-jerk and it's not thought out. Again, follow, not necessarily our example, follow the household of Cornelius. Pray about it. And be very intentional with your prayer. And ask God to help you to make the right decision. And then be prepared. This is actually one point that I wanted to graft into this talk, but I really didn't have time. Be prepared to make sacrifices for this. You will. Now, you're, there's perks to all of us homeschoolers. We, we know that there's perks, right? I don't, I don't know if you have to always get out of your jammies, first thing, you know. <laughs> but, you know, I do want them to wear shoes. But, so there's perks. But it, it's, it's a sacrifice if you want to homeschool your children. You know, somebody in the home has to teach. There, and there needs to be some structure and, and there needs to be some guidance along the way. And you're going to learn a lot. I mean, the best teachers, and I say this as a preacher or a teacher of the gospel, whatever, the best teachers in any field are the best teachers because of the best students. And so if we're going to be homeschool parents, if that's what you want to do, make a prayerful decision and then be prepared to sacrifice for your children, as you should anyway. But I can promise you, brother, and I think you know this, we've had this conversation. There's no way I would ever send our children back to public school. I wouldn't. And I don't care to tell anybody that. That's our decision. I don't fault anyone else that doesn't decide to do that. I don't condemn you at all. But personally, no way would I send our kids back to public school. Not now. Not now. Not knowing what we know now. Can you display those four pillars again? Oh, you're asking a non-techie guy something here. Will that help? It, yeah, so in, in my congregational teaching about having a successful godly family is bringing up children to be God righteous, I always have in the back of my mind families who only have one parent. Sometimes by choice, sometimes you know, a widow situation. And so I try to encourage them that they can be successful despite not having two parents in the home. In light of this four columns, do you think a family that only has one parent and still display or be successful with these four columns. Do you? Yes. I agree with you. <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> yes, I, and I was thinking about this as you were going through the presentation that even a single mother or a single father can demonstrate and have this influence and be devout in all these things that you talked about. And I just wanted that to be an encouragement to them. You're right, Michael. And, and all jokes aside, thank you for that, really. But yeah, because, I mean, even in situations where there are two parents at home, the reality is that sometimes there's really only one that's parenting. So, so anyway, that's my point. Thank you very much for your presentation. Uh, I think any presentation about the family is worth its weight in gold, so I appreciate that. 
Uh, one of your pillars there is that being generous, and you're talking about in that hospitality. And I believe that part of that is being having the ability to be comfortable around people and possibly even people that we don't know. And of course, in this modern era, there's a lot of worry, there's a lot of anxiety about safety and about uh, danger and things of that nature. So uh, could you maybe speak to uh, striking a correct balance between not putting your family in danger, but sure. yeah. also um, being generous and hospitable? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, we have to make good judgment, use wisdom. Um, a lot of times, I think opportunities are just, you know, how many times have you talked with somebody who's been worshiping at a local congregation for 20 plus years, and if you honestly have a conversation with them and say, have you had every person in that congregation over for your house in 20 years? And so many times they'll say no. In fact, it may be that the majority of the people in the congregation has never entered their home. And so it could be that if we can, if no other folks, we can, we can just do a little better job at opening up our homes for our brothers and sisters in Christ, especially those that perhaps um, we haven't ever had over to our house. And then when we have them over to our house, we, we've got to get more comfortable at saying, you think about this passage of scripture not because I want to catch you on something and then beat you over the head with it nothing like that but it helps to open up that door of a conversation so that we can grow together and you know that that then is a spiritual connection that that in say in the case of you and I if you're in our home and we're talking about scripture that that's that connection that we always have that's a bond we may talk about sports or something other things but I do believe, brethren, I really mean this, and I, I'm speaking to myself, first and foremost, uh, these conversations are just waste of time. Um, we need to take seriously the coveted and very rare opportunities when we have anyone in our home and try to talk about eternal things. C.S. Lewis said something like, um, I'm not quoting it, but essentially anything that's not based on eternity that we're thinking about or doing something about is an eternal waste of time. So it's true. Do you have, do you have any closing comments? Just thank you. <laughs>